everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rift Reaction. And good news, everyone. I know you've been tired of me. Emily is back. Well, not really. You're still traveling, right? Yes, I'm still technically on vacation. But so I got still- my flight wrong, so that's my fault. Well, I should say, okay, so normally we record these on Tuesday. Uh, Emily sent a panicked message to uh, myself and our producer earlier today and was like, oh, no, like, I'm not going to be back in time for tomorrow. So we've scrambled to put this together, and that it's still going to be a great episode because there's so much to talk there's about. There's a lot. There's a lot. And, like, what we know earlier today, Parth tweeted uh, today, quote, mm-hmm. unquote, today was what he said. So there's a good chance that while we're recording this, the TSM roster comes out, and if not, then... Uh, you know, obviously we will talk about it next week. But if you're wondering why it is that we're not addressing it, uh, it is because we're doing this Monday evening back to regularly scheduled stuff la- next week. But Emily, how's your break been? It's been a lot of fun. I rarely take vacations. So this has been a challenge, but one that I have met and actually had fun. So it's been a good time. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a chance to relax. Uh, my week has definitely been interesting as well. I know, obviously, uh, it last week we had uh, Thanksgiving, so I hope everybody had a good time. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, or two weeks ago we had Thanksgiving. We're all recovering. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about everything that's happened, uh, because obviously last week we had the interview with Silco. Thank you to everybody who listened to that. I think a lot of folks like that, as well as Fifth Flaren, for coming on. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, we asked you guys some questions. So the first one was, uh, what riot slash law esports announcement are you most excited about from the past month? What do you think of the, uh, the reactions? There are a lot of people who really have wanted an event in Canada and specifically Toronto for a while. It makes me happy because I used to live in Toronto. It's an amazing city. So I saw a ton of people being like definitely the Toronto world's stop. Uh, Because I think like with all of the stuff that's been going on with worlds, you kind of forget that it's, you almost forget it's going to be in North America uh, next year until the announcement came with all of the cities and stuff. So just a lot of hype for any worlds, Uh, a lot of hype for season two of Arcane, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a big. Th- it feels like it's dominated by worlds and arcane content and conversation. But uh, there's some people that say Project L, which is obviously the fighting game that they've finally shown, you know, a decent amount on. I see uh, a few so, dog for Kobe. Oh, I yeah, have we're to not sneak that in there. That. that is not that's not an announcement at all. So I don't know what those are doing. <laughs> yeah, we only okay. address relevant information. So either way, it sounds like a lot of people are excited for arcane and worlds. One of those will come a lot sooner than the other, I believe. Worlds. Um, our, <laughs> our, our other poll, and I'll let you, you uh, be the, the main point of, of discussion for this, Emily, or main discusser. If Uzi returns, how likely is he to regra- regain his championship form? What did the results say? So most people said it'll take a while, uh, 43%. So uh, that's the answer I actually agree with. I think he has the drive and the ability to still be a really good AD carry, but I don't think, I think it's going to be really difficult for him to return to top form. Uh, 32% of people said he'd still be one of the best. So I found that 
out really interesting. People are very positive on Uzi. Um, 22% said he'll be good, not great. And only 2% said he will not be good at all. So yeah. um, we still don't know where he's going. As I covered the last time I was on, that BLG super rumored super team fell apart. And it fell apart in a really kind of explosive way if you've watched the the rumors around that team and what happened with their budget and the impending LPL salary cap and all this stuff. So um, we still don't know where he's going, but he's definitely rumored to come back and I'm excited about it. And it was cool to see our uh, listeners be excited about it as well. No, it's, it's very true. I think a lot of people are, are expecting things to go well. So now that we've got uh, the Q&A and poll from last, well, two weeks ago out of the way, uh, let's preview a little bit about what we're going to be talking, which is kind of like a spattering of topics. Uh, (laughs) It's been a week. Yes. Well, especially in the past four days, because we saw uh, C9 has finally announced LS as their coach. We'll talk about that. A lot of discussion around Five Fire, who, for those of you who don't know, has been an an academy and amateur mainstay for uh, for a long time, retiring. Uh, which I think there's a lot to discuss there. Uh, Mickey X versus Carlos. So yep. G2, G2 just keeps delivering drama. Uh, <laughs> and then you got a bunch of LPL discussion for us. Of course, we'll to some voicemails, which I know we've been teasing forever. And then we'll have obviously the back of the book with Q&A poll and our reaction shots. So let's get into it. Uh, I think the first thing we should maybe dive in on just because I believe it's probably the biggest piece of news over the course of this week is LS becoming the C9 coach. So Despite his denials to the contrary, uh, I think a lot of people working, looking at the rest of the staff and all the players, and they're mm-hmm. like, "This is uh, this is about as close as you can come to having like an LS <laughs> dream lineup." There's, it's got to be something, and obviously they ended up announcing him. So, what was your reaction to this stuff, Emily? Uh, I believe I tweeted like Hell Supreze, which is just like, "What a surprise!" Uh, so I think it was really interesting to me to read his AMA that's on Reddit. And even if you like, cause he's a very polarizing figure. So even if you strongly dislike him, I actually suggest you read that AMA anyway, just because it gives a lot of insight into how he sees a team and how he sees like his coaching philosophy and his philosophy towards drafting, which has obviously been this thing that has been very black and white as he's been doing content, right? And so a lot of people are curious as to how that translates to him becoming a coach and having to be, you know, drafting under a time limit um, with all these players who oftentimes make last minute decisions and they're like, I can't play this today. I don't want to play this, et cetera. Um, It's a lot different. He's done it before. So I'm not saying he's not experienced in this, but because draft is such a big part of his coaching philosophy, I think a lot of people are really curious to see what he'd say about that. There's a lot of really interesting answers. I think I'm going to stick with kind of my take where we were talking about this as a rumor a few weeks ago. And it's, this is the best like set up for him to succeed right like he has all the coaches underneath him that he knows that he helped jack interview and hire i believe he said in his announcement and he actually uh in that same ama said that he thinks max waldo uh one of the c9 assistant coaches is actually the best coach outside of himself 
which I thought was really interesting. So, um, you know, he has the coaching staff he wants. He obviously had a lot of say in the roster. So this is the perfect situation for him to succeed. And I know he set very high expectations. He basically said that if they don't win in a, like NA spring, it's a failure. Well, he said, here's the full quote. Yeah. A lot go. of people want to see me fail. If we don't win spring, if we don't win summer, if we don't do well at Worlds, it's a failure. My idea with the roster as it is right now is to deal damage to LPL and LCK teams. Mm-hmm. So very high standard yep. that he's holding himself to and the roster, especially given that, like, in a lot of ways, this is a bit of a reboot. You know, they're starting with a fudge role swap. So I don't know. I've, I didn't want to interrupt, but that was the the full quote. Yeah, it's that. And it's uh, he said that if they don't make his goal is semifinals. Yes. World semifinals. Yes. So obviously that's the historic best for both North America and for Cloud9. Uh, but it's been several years since since we've achieved anything like that. So um, I don't know. I think this is great. Uh, so I know this has been echoed by pre- other people as well. But I think, you know, looking towards LCS next year, I was always, you know, obviously excited. It's great whenever we have a new season start off. But one of the things that I was a little worried about is like, I didn't think that there were, I don't know, many storylines, right? Like obviously we said goodbye to several major names last year. Bjergsen coming back, I think is interesting, but it didn't really feel as though there was any kind of built in stakes uh, beyond the Bjergsen stuff. And obviously LS is the type of guy where he is a big personality, has incredibly strong opinions he sort of sat on the sidelines with those opinions as a critic for a long time. And now you get to kind of see whether or not those ideas and that philosophy comes through. And I think he's not the type of guy who like creates a many neutral opinions. You know, I think there's a lot of people who either are frustrated by how confident he is in his opinions and how much he sort of dismisses things that disagree with him, or they are like incredible advocates. I think he's kind of like the, the dude that everyone should be listening to. So the stakes are so high for cloud nine. I mean, as much as I'm excited about Bearson coming back, I do feel like this is the team that most people will be talking about. And it's something that's, I think really meaningful for the league. So uh, I'm thrilled about it. I think it's really good. And I don't think, I don't know, Emily, can you think of a time where like some team went so far in on a specific personality or philosophy or anything like that? Because like it's very clear that Jack was just like, what do you want to do? And like he has this such a specific idea and like they went out and basically did everything I'm sure that he wanted. Not in terms of having like a coaching tree like this. If that makes sense, like I've seen other orgs, like especially in Korea or China where you have a head coach and then they're allowed to bring on people that they work really well together with. Um, But typically it's you hire the head coach first and then they make all the decisions like top down. Um, So nothing like this where all of the pieces were coming into place and then he was the final announcement and it's this entire coaching tree and scouting uh, for players themselves. So that is a different a different approach. I especially haven't seen this in the West. Like obviously I've seen people, again, work together, be recommended together as groups, but like I think Grabs and Duffman are a good example, right? They just got hired together um, for Team BDS, I believe, from G2. Um, 
but never having this entire system in place. So it's really interesting. I mean, it's obviously a risk. They're all acknowledging that, but it's a very interesting story. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to following it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just going to be... We just It's a constant supply of content for all of us next year, I think is what it will yes. be, you know? Uh, and, and similar in a, in a way to like how TSM has been in the past. Like my take on Twitter, which earned me the ire of a lot of TSM fans, but... Uh, mine was just like, I think that they're now they've overtaken TSM for levels of fan engagement. And a lot of people thought that what I was saying is like, Oh, now they've got more Twitter followers or something. But like, I just mean specifically when it comes to LCS, I think their post game Reddit threads will have the most out of any team. Uh, the tweets, you know, people will be excited when they win or like frustrated when they lose or like excited when they lose and frustrated when they win. There's just going to be so much in a way that I think that's TSM's really claimed that crown previously. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's the first time that I've ever seen something like this, I think in the, in the league. So it's very interesting, but maybe let's move on to talk about the other side of the spectrum. Obviously we have a huge signing uh, on the C9 side. The other side of it is <laughs> five fire who, I don't know, Emily, do you want to sort of give like a, a brief synopsis? Because five fire is a name that is familiar to a lot of people, but they might not necessarily know all of his achievements and what he's, sort of what he stood for? Yeah, so the big thing with Five Fire is that uh, he ha- there were a lot of rumors around him initially after his first Scouting Grounds appearance and a few of his teams following that in um, like the amateur scene that he was talented but difficult to work with, right? Um, and so he got this reputation like really early on in his career um, despite the fact that over the past year, um, he's been cited as one of the in-game leaders for every single team he's been on. Um, throughout the entirety of 2021, he helped lead multiple uh, amateur teams to of like a variety of titles. His most recent achievement was winning the NA Scouting Grounds uh thing but he also won proving grounds in this past spring with viper onda value and big um and that was actually a really big upset because they beat c9 academy and they were an amateur team right so in proving grounds this is the first year they had amateur and academy teams go up against each other and he was a part of this roster that ended up taking down c9 academy who obviously had a lot more monetary investment and infrastructure right so um, he's a person who's grown a lot and this past uh, what was it yesterday or the day before he effectively announced that he didn't receive any offers for 2022 so he will be uh, like effectively retiring but he basically said that he would um, you know still be open to offers if if they were there and so on the back of, um, you know, we also had uh, Niles uh, retiring and he's going to go back to Maryville. And so I thought uh, one of the amateur and like Proving Grounds casters, Cubby, uh, basically tweeted this that I thought was a really interesting discussion where he said, Five Fire didn't leave a good impression on teams at his first scouting grounds. I saw Five Fire make strides to be a better teammate, change his reputation, and regardless of the above, you cannot argue with his results and ability. But NA imported four 
mid laners this offseason. I believe Five Fire was the perfect candidate to go to a small market team with a coach who was confident that he could get the most out of Five Fire. He beat every academy team with zero salary and a small staff. He won every amateur tournament. He never saw the reward. The system failed him. So basically, that's like a big... Uh, it's a big thing to kind of bring into relief because we've been having this ongoing conversation about North America and how well or how poorly they develop their amateur and academy talent. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting because, and I'm hoping to secure an interview with him later this week. He's great. I've been mes- messaging He's back really and forth great. with him a little bit. Yeah, because I think he'll have a lot of interesting insights into sort of his experience and how things went and all that, but... It, it does feel a little bit where, you know, as I asked around, I, I did hear similarly that he had a bit of a reputation as a teammate and that he just seemed to not be able to shake it. And for me, it's weird because it's like, okay, yeah, he had this reputation, but like he consistently kept landing on teams that would perform well in, you know, the amateur and academy side. And so just seeing this happen and then kind of kept looking at all the different players that did get picked up over the time, it, like it feels pretty bad because it doesn't feel like he ever really had a great shot at this and I'm a little worried about what it's it what message this sends to other players right like this guy obviously put in a lot of work and then wasn't able to make it happen and so I don't think it's going to inspire a lot of confidence from other other players that potentially want to do this and so like I it's funny because in the same year we have EG choosing Danny and Jojo Pion over Jensen and Doublelift, but it's not, you know, then on the other side you have this happening. And so I think it's just, it's really unfortunate. And I hope that there's a lot of consideration around this specific situation at least. And like, hopefully it's more of a, an unusual set of circumstances, but I don't know if it necessarily is. Yeah, I'll say this is like a closer. The frustrating thing for me as an outsider and like if people think I'm totally wrong, like feel free to call me out, like leave a voicemail, be like, Emily, you're effing wrong. But like my problem is that he is not given the same chances that another player from a different region might be given, right? Or another player with maybe like better connections. Because like we have this conversation all the time of like, there are so many people out there who are like, if you're a bad teammate, it doesn't matter if you have hands, right? And so not only yeah. has he worked on the teammate thing by the admission of like people he's worked with, but he's also won like every single amateur event, like pretty much over the past year, right? So it's like, obviously there's a lot of ingrained, um, uh, I don't know if prejudice is the right word, but like people have made up their minds about these players and he is not being given the same leeway that a player from another region would be given and that is the most frustrating thing to me right like if you're gonna say like oh we're doing this because of teammate reasons or or whatever it's like okay well are you trying out the new mid laner you're bringing in from like your europe or are you you know what i mean like it's um yeah i sometimes see a lot of discrepancy there so that's my frustration with it is that i feel like a lot of times any amateur players are not given the same chances that players from outside of north america are given and i don't think that's fair i mean it also just feels you know i look i I've never had the pleasure of operating a team or trying to coach or manage players. And so I'm not here to say like, yeah, if somebody's like a dick, you need to make sure you work with them anyway. But it is odd to me because I feel like there's been a lot of situations where people who uh, are, are about the negative gaming 
uh, <laughs> like Dardock or whatever, they do get these opportunities. There's a lot, I think, in the LEC, et cetera, that have had, I don't know, clashes with people and they've they've worked out so well. It's kind of a, an unfortunate situation. I think a lot, I'm happy it got the attention it did mm-hmm. um, because hopefully it'll put more pressure on folks to like, oh, hey, like, like I, for instance, I hope Riot looks at this and is like, hey, you know, if we are considering ever making changes to the import rule, like this is one of the ramifications of the way it stands right now. So let's make sure that we are considering this stuff. Anyway, speaking of the LEC, uh, Carlos and G2 continue to land in interesting water. (laughs) They had, I think the, maybe one of the most interesting off seasons from a like drama perspective, because they had a bunch of stars and then seemed to struggle to have them land in the places that people thought they would. And uh, Mickey X, presumably because TSM is now going with somebody else, is not playing next year. Uh, how much I, I, I obviously, you know, I don't follow the LEC as much as you do, Emily. How much of a tragedy is it that Mickey X is not going to be on the rift in spring? I mean, I think it's pretty ridiculous from my perspective. Like, I know, so, like, a lot of, I've seen a lot of NA people being, like, are people even excited about G2? I don't see why you'd be a fan unless you're, like, a Caps fan, but, um, or, or a Yonkos fan. But, I mean, I, I know, like, a lot of people really like uh, Broken Blade. Flact and uh, Targamus have a lot of fans from their time in the ERL. So like I do I think people, especially Flact, are super excited for them. So I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited for G2. The big thing to me is once again, we're talking about large teams setting massive buyouts and really being able to dictate uh how these off seasons have gone for these players and taken, you know, all of their agency away, essentially. Because Carlos made a whole series of tweets where he's like, well, here's what happened. Yeah. I don't know if you want, you want to read them out. I, I was just going to do that for context for everybody. So, X tweeted uh, earlier today, didn't find a team for 2022 spring, but at least I will be streaming more often now. Carlos, uh, obviously the head of G2, uh, quote, quote retweeted <clears throat> and said, we lowered price three weeks ago to 250,000 euro but could not find anything. Hopefully we can find something nice for him for summer split. Ricky X replied and said, wow, thanks bro. Carlos said, no problem, man. And then I'm trying to find the, the follow up Cause I think Carlos had said something along the lines of uh, like, or Mickey X, I think said something like, Hey, this doesn't sound like what's happened here. And then like, they kind of both got into it. Um, people can go find the, the rest of the Twitter chain. Cause obviously it goes back and forth, but uh, there's sort of a he said she said situation there. Carlos was contending that Mickey X's agent, I guess, had uh, said that you know he didn't want to play for some of the teams and opportunities that he had. So um, I guess uh, it's interesting. Obviously, dropping the rate down three weeks ago, once almost all the teams have figured out <laughs> what they're doing, is a little late in the game. Um, so I, it's kind of a loss for everybody, right? Because like obviously Carlos would like to have made money, and Mickey X would like to be playing, and fans I think would like to have Mickey X, and so it just kind of got played really incorrectly. Yeah, I think this is just another nod, and why players should, if they're unable to unionize, at least take such a closer look at their contracts and have someone 
who is actually on their side breaking down like what these uh, multiple year contracts mean in terms of buyouts um, and maybe you want to take technically a pay cut to ensure that you can't be cut for certain reasons maybe or like ensure you know what I mean like when you're negotiating a contract there's so many things you can put into it and it seems like a lot of players for whatever reason and these are I assume the terms are being more dictated by the team than the players are accepting these multiple year deals where those do come with a buyout attached that's set by the team because then if they want to offload that player and another team wants them, they have to pay this buyout, right? So it's like, I, I think that um, there are a lot of things that can be done in contracts that are more player-friendly. And by that, I mean, you know, the player is getting not only paid, but also has a lot more agency and control over their own destiny. Um, and so I hope that despite the fact that this offseason has been weird and in the words of multiple talented players, very shitty, um, the that this may get players to take a closer look at A, you know, possibly banding together in some way, and then B, taking a closer look at their contracts with someone who knows how to read them correctly, which is obviously not me because I've rambled my way through this, um, but someone uh, to, to try to negotiate better terms for them. So I think one of the things that is really interesting that happened in this off season is that because you had people like Carlos talking about stuff, you've had more and more information coming out and then you've seen the impacts that it has had on the players I think it has sort of shown a light on stuff that was previously kind of behind the scenes. And it's probably going to put a lot of pressure now on these teams because I think obviously G2 is going to take a bit of a reputation hit given the fact that, uh, well, just how everything went down with them in the offseason. And and this plus the perk stuff last year and sort of the conflict that he's had publicly with players and all that stuff, it's just... It's, it's fascinating. I don't know if this stuff is good or bad for the LEC. Probably a little bit of both because obviously it'll spark rivalry and like the G2 haters will hate G2 more. And like if Mickey X does find a team, I'm sure he'll be incentivized to try to take down G2 more and all that stuff. But obviously it also just looks kind of, uh, I don't know, unprofessional and a little goofy. Uh, so it's, I don't know, it's a, an interesting dynamic for sure. Uh, but unfortunately, Mickey joins the bench alongside notable players like Niski and jensen and others um super fun time yeah all right uh what what's going on over in lpl emily fill me in a lot of crap so i'll try to uh as we all know join b has become the main lpl leaker on his stream um these aren't all from him but uh there are a lot of random wayable references and other things that say that uh, Tien, formerly of FPX, MVP, World's Finals winning jungler, um, is going to top esports. And so now we're not really sure where Kars is going. Uh, Knight is also staying on top esports. If you remember, he'd been rumored to go that 
BLG super team that fell apart. Jackie Love is also staying, and so is Joel. So that should be an interesting team. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Karsa. Um, the Shy is apparently going to Weibo Gaming, which is formerly Sooning. Um, is this the Shy and Rookie's breakup arc? I put that in the notes just because they've been playing together for so long, and the Shy at one point did say that he did, just doesn't want to play with Rookie. Like, if Rookie retires, he's going to retire. Um, but the problem is, at this point in the offseason, it is rumored that no one has the money to be able to buy them together, essentially. So they will probably have to separate. The Shy is rumored to go to Weibo Gaming. If you know anything about the former Sooning team, you're probably asking yourself, but they have Bin. Where's Bin going? Bin is rumored to go to BLG. Doinbee said that Clid is going to FPX because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. And finally, Icon uh, posted a thing on Weibo where he said that he uh, would not be playing for the 2022 Spring Split. If you remember, he's the LNG mid laner. Um, he said that teams asked him to do tryouts, but he turned them down and he's not ready. My performance was trash at Worlds. I need time to recover. Um and he said he's dealing with some stuff outside of games. So I'm kind of sad about that because uh, I like Icon. Um, but yeah, so that is the the long LPL update of all the rumors that are going on over there. And like LPL, I'm sure they'll change tomorrow. So, you know, take those with a grain of salt until they're officially reported by teams. Do you want to... Uh, well, I was going to ask, like, as you're looking at all these different teams... Do you think that uh, this is the craziest LPL offseason ever? Not ever, because I don't think anything beats that initial, like, 2014, 2015, if you remember, like, all of the South Korean players going over. Yes, the and there, Exodus, were, yeah. there were so many, like, wild rumors that were not true whatsoever about that offseason that were never true. Because, like, usually in LPL, there are a ton of rumors that come out, and they'll be true for, like a few hours, right, as deals are trying to get done, and then it just won't be true the next hour because someone will swoop in and they'll just offer more money or whatever. And this was especially bad in that offseason. And then on top of it, there were so many rumors because people were trying to track where all of the South Korean players were going. There was this weird meme with, like, Rookie and Kakao locked in a basement in some sort of contract hell that was never true. And people were photoshopping their faces over coal miner pictures on Weibo. It was really weird. So I don't think anything beats that offseason. But I think this offseason has been really volatile for a few reasons. One is just how many players are changing teams and how many rumors are out there that have been true because Joinbee keeps leaking them on stream. And then the uh, other thing is that we have the rumors of the RNG sale and also a few other organizations that are kind of in flux themselves. So obviously Sooning pulled out and, and Weibo bought that team. Um, and then the whole whatever happened with BLG and the salary cap. So there's a lot of like org stuff going on this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting how similar uh, a lot of the, the situation is across all the different regions in terms of, obviously, we're having a lot of player changes, but there is a lot of org stuff as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not it's not like it was in LCS, obviously, when we're, you know, oftentimes we're changing teams or people are selling or something in between, but it's still a lot of conversations, I think, around, like, um, what buyouts are and how players are ending up teamless and all this stuff. And then obviously over LPL, you have this and I know there's been similar stuff in LCK. So 
uh, I think it's, it's interesting that we're seeing so much offseason drama that doesn't even necessarily always directly involve players, but maybe more like the market or the economy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been it's been interesting. Okay, so it is time for the back of the book. Uh, we have two voicemails, and then I'll shout out if you want to leave a voicemail how to do it after we listen to these. But the first one is from Chris from Los Angeles. Let's take a listen. Hi, Travis and Emily. This is Chris calling from Los Angeles, California. I am a longtime fan of Rift Reaction. Do you guys ever think that the region of North America, also known as NA, will ever win worlds and why? Okay, so will (laughs) NA ever win worlds, Emily? Uh, What, I don't, you want to tackle this first? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a cop-out answer, I guess, but like, I don't think anything is impossible. I think the problem is that there are so many myriad factors that are going on in North America that will continue to be a problem. And so the thing with trying to get a North American team to win Worlds isn't even the coaching infrastructure or how we approach games from like an outside perspective. It would be getting all of those players up to snuff mechanically so you'd essentially have to boot camp in another region and be scrimming so like i'm not even just talking about solo queue but you'd have to be scrimming other teams just to get used to how mechanically fast-paced the lck and lpl teams play especially lpl teams um it's funny and, and, and I think that would that would be like the big thing. So like if an NA team is to win worlds, not only do you have to put together like a really good roster uh, and, and kind of ignore a lot of the bizarre stuff that happens with roster building in North America, but then you'd also have to have that team win in NA and then port, essentially port them over to give them better scrims and solo queue for as long as possible. And that would be your best chance. I still think it's going to be, it's like a one to 99% chance. So it's very funny because you think about it from a strategic perspective. I think about it from like a variables perspective because in some ways right now, so one, I think there's a chance. I don't know how great the chance is. It's probably pretty slim. But when I think about why there's a chance, I think about it because of basically how Worlds works, where everything mm-hmm. that gets happens at Worlds is so chaotic. And currently the way that the format is is solved is like there's not a double elimination or whatever. So there's a lot of situations where you end up with like lopsided brackets or you end Mm -hmm. up with teams that choke. And so my mind, it's just about like hitting that, uh, I don't know, slot machine lineup of odds where like we have an unusually good team that goes, our team, uh, makes it out of groups. Maybe there's some last minute meta shifts. Maybe they pull like another NA team or something like that in the, in the quarterfinals. And then they make it to, semis and like things are like they they manage to like slip through a win that way they make it to finals and then there's like a visa issue or you know like there's there's so many different variables that happen at worlds and i know like maybe this is a shitty way to say it right because i'm sort of like we have to get lucky uh but i think about it whenever we're just talking about yeah that's still a huge part of it i don't even think that's terrible to say yeah, I mean, I just think there's there's all these different odds, all these different variables that come into play every time Worlds occurs 
that like I think if you ran the simulation a million times or whatever, how, uh, who knows how many years worlds will go on, but another 10 or 20 or something like that, like there is probably a decent chance that things just sort of work out. I mean, no one expected like we, we rolled high on that cloud nine semifinals thing previously. Nobody expected it. It ends up happening and you're just like, okay, well what, there's this convergence of different factors that all kind of align to make this happen. Um, and so you just have to roll a little higher than that to be able to make it to finals or to, to win finals. Um, so I, I think it's not out of the question. It's just, it is, it's not in our control, right? Like it's not like an LPL team or an LCK team right now where like we're consistently pinning in players and teams that can make it to the finals. Uh, but I think it's, it is sort of just if everything lines up perfectly, it could happen. Uh, so our next question uh, and voicemail is from Connor. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is Connor from Minneapolis. My question is with the Academy teams going the way that they are with the new changes to the amateur league, would it incentivize teams to create a team like Delta Fox was, where it was just an all-streamer dream team, maybe get Jensen, Doublelift, and anybody else to just get as many numbers and as many fans as possible with the way the league's going to turn out? All right, so the perfect question, I think, for this episode is we were just talking about mm-hmm. Five Fire. We've been talking about players like Mickey X that are sitting on the bench and are potentially available. <laughs> so uh, I, for me, I, I guess I'll kick this off and say that, like, one, I do think I think there's kind of you can answer this both ways, um, and I think that you can you can do both. As in, you can create a team of players. There's enough talent out there with like followings and branding and all that stuff that you can create a team that is really good and are fun. And you know, you could you could say like, hey, these guys should stream their own games and their own competitions, and people will follow this team. It'll be super fun. Um, but also, there are players that you could potentially pull up to your main roster, something doesn't go well or like transfer off to other people uh, and other teams. I also think that like, yes, teams should continue to invest in Academy. Um, Not every team needs to do this, but like if you don't want to go pay Carlos a bajillion dollars for his players or cloud nine, a bajillion dollars for their players or whatever, like you should start trying to develop this talent in Academy so that you don't have to go spend it to get players from other regions. Um, And if the, you know, if the downside is you're like, Oh, well maybe I won't ever use these guys. It's like, well, hopefully they'll become an asset that somebody you could transfer someplace else. So yes, for my opinion, team should invest in Academy and yes, I would love to see a meme team. And I think you can actually, you know, you can have some teams doing either or, and I don't think like picking up a meme team is the, is tantamount to like, especially the ones I'm thinking of where you could get like double lift and Jensen and Mickey X and whatever. It might be very expensive, but there's a world there where like maybe those guys would be down to play for you and it would just be fun. Yeah, I think we're in a different spot than the Delta Fox days in a few ways. Uh, but I think you are reflecting something that I think has changed a lot since those days in that no offense to that team, but they were not really looking to get back into LCS, you know? And and I think some of the players that would play on a team like that now would not only still be really good and like just out of competition if you're thinking about who it would be because it would be players like Jensen like maybe you'd have double of ste- stepping back in 
over in Europe, obviously we have, you know, like this would never happen in Europe because they have ERLs, but like you have Mickey X, you have Niski, like you have a lot of players that are still incredibly talented who could have starting spots. Um, and that holds true even with, again, like Academy and amateur players we've mentioned, like Five Fire. Um, I think the big question you still have to ask yourself is if you have a team like this, how is it, what does it do to the ecosystem? And if the players are good enough, I think it at least adds value in that the other amateur players and academy players will be able to play against very good competition mechanically, and that's actually super important to improve. However, the flip side to that and the, the absolutely glaring negative drawback is that you're not developing talent. You're just playing <laughs> players that already have their own massive fan bases. Um, so yeah, it's a... Uh, it's something that I don't hate nearly as much as when I saw it back in the day because of the available talent. And also because I do think even with my complaints earlier, and even though I'm obviously still upset about the five fire thing, if people couldn't tell, um, I think that we do have at least more organizations that in good faith are actually investing in Academy and amateur talent. And I like that they've, put both the amateur and academy teams so they're playing against each other in a very constructive way that helps players improve so i think there have already been a lot of quality of life changes that don't make it as bad the thing is though that you're still not developing developing talent like you know jensen is already developed talent in my opinion he's incredibly talented he should have a team well, let's get into our Q&A and poll for this week. So obviously we talked earlier about the G2 Carlos stuff. We'd love to hear from you. What's your take on G2's offseason? So this could be anything. Maybe you want to talk about the new players that they've signed, the roster they've announced. You're like, hey, I, I don't want to get caught up in all the drama. Maybe you have a side. Maybe you think these players are screwing themselves over and you're on Carlos's side, or maybe you think that Carlos is a jerk, whatever. Anyway, send us your take uh, in the, the Rift reaction section of the Spotify app. And then also while you're there, answer our poll. Uh, what do you think of LS as a coach of C9? Are you excited? Are you not? Are you undecided? Uh, obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are in one category or the other, not necessarily undecided, uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see what those results are for next next year because uh, or as we're looking into next year and we're looking at the poll next week so please let us know uh but finally we are into our reaction shots so why don't you uh take it away emily yeah so i am going to use mine to say thank you to bang who retired today um for those that don't know he is an incredibly storied player who played as an 80 carry on uh, for the SK telecom organization, he first played for, uh, he played on SKTS and then he was a part of the merged team in 2015. I think he really came into his own that year and the following year. Um, he's one of the most storied 80 carries in South Korea. Um, and it's not like super, I don't, I don't know, it's not like super sad to see his career end because you knew it was coming. He's getting older. He's going to be going in, serving in 
uh, doing his mandatory military service. But I just wanted to say thank you, Bang, because um, he is, you know, very decorated, uh, you know, historic player uh, who just recently retired. And then my last little thing I wanted to sneak in is that my absolute favorite player is back as a coach. He served his military service, former K2 Rolster, 80 carry turn jungler score is now back as a coach for Gen G. So now I apparently have to root for Gen G along with KT Rolster. It's going to be a bad time, I think. An interesting time, at least. Well, my reaction <laughs> this my my reaction shot this week is about uh, just kind of covering the off season, and I, I think. There's a lot of people for, so for me, I like to cover it sort of moment to moment and I don't necessarily do the thing that I know some of the other outlets do where they're waiting until a decision has been made. It's been super locked in and they've got, uh, 500 people telling them that they're, it's good or whatever. And I, by the way, I respect that philosophy. This is not me taking a dig at that philosophy at all. Uh, but one of the downsides for the way that I do it where I'm like, Hey, I think it's going to be this, or I'm hearing this, or there's conversations happening here is that whenever it doesn't end up being that way and I'm later on changing what I said is going to happen or whatever, uh, people kind of all bat down my door and say, hey, Travis, what the heck? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to do a longer video talking about sort of my off-season coverage and what I got right, what I got wrong, and sort of covering the stuff. But I think C9 is a really interesting example of how that stuff went down because there was a couple times, for instance, where initially I was saying, I think Sven's gone and Vulcan's fine. And then, and they're talking to Bjergsen and then Bjergsen gets locked into TL. They make their changes and they decide that like, actually Sven is going to stay and Vulcan is leaving. So then Vulcan goes up on the market. And then I, you know, I, I know there was a lot more than this too, that I talked about, but like also at one point in time, I said, I think Nemesis could end up over there. And I fear that they're going full LS and I remember that thread went up on the C9 subreddit and people are like, Travis doesn't know what he's talking about. Later on, we hear, hey, Nevesis was considering joining C9 and he decided not to. Um, and then I, I know that I came out and said, this is their locked in roster. I think I said Sven and Isles and I got, and obviously they made a changes. They are not doing that for their bot lane. But one of the things that I was really excited about to see that, because I, I knew the night that I said that, that they had locked that in, you know, like I'd heard it from a million people. I knew without a doubt that they had decided these were the five players they were going to run and they were moving forward with it. And that was the plan. Um, but two days ago on his stream, as we're recording this, uh, LS came out and said, uh, Travis was right about this stuff. I know this sounds like I'm just trying to pat myself on the back, but, uh, he was like, Travis was right. They had decided this, this was all locked in. That was the plan and they were moving forward with it. And then I decided to blow up that plan. So I, I think I just say this because I think that you can kind of look at the cloud nine stuff. You can look at the way that my coverage went down of it. You can look at the changes that occurred and you like, I think it's a great way to, for people that are paying attention to this stuff and thinking about next year's off season to understand how much changes uh, over time how things can be essentially quote unquote set in stone as much as they can be before a contract gets signed. And then like something can come out of left field and bulldoze it. And I, I just, I, I think if anything, I'm just happy that 
this stuff came out about Nemesis and LS saying the stuff about the roster, not because I need to vindicate myself or validate myself, but just because I think it helps provide insight for people on just how chaotic things can be behind the offseason and how much things can change and will hopefully also manage expectations for fans as they're hearing the news and everything rolling out. So that was just something I wanted to, to discuss. Uh, but I also want to mention for everybody that if you are interested in calling in, obviously we took a couple of voicemails earlier in the show. You can do so. Uh, you just need to give us a message over at 323-607-2537. I believe they always put that in the uh, show notes or show description as well. So if you want to grab the number from there, but please leave us a message because Emily and I will be taking more of those over the course of December. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in this week. We will catch you next week and uh, make sure you don't miss it because it's, I'm sure going to be a banger. (laughs) 